A wild one in Starkville. The party continues in Starkville. He's a pleasant lad from Starkville. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to the first 2020 edition of Starkville. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for The Athletic. And once again, I am joined by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, and distinguished former major leaguer, Doug Glanville. Doug, it's been a few weeks since we visited Starkville together, so great to be back, my friend. Happy 2020. And um, I don't know, did anybody clean the snow off the Starkville driveways while we were gone? Because <laughs> I certainly didn't. Uh, but uh, I... Uh, I'm trying to stay out of the snow right now. Hopefully we'll yeah. stay out of that, but so far so good. But it's been great. Nice holiday. Reset. A lot of action in baseball. Uh, never a dull moment in the trades and the signings <laughs> and all this. So I'm excited to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, Doug, it, you know, since it's our first show of 2020, I thought we should start it with a few New Year's resolutions. What do you think? Yeah. Now that makes a lot of sense. What are we going to resolve? Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, how about I give you three of my resolutions, then you give me three of yours. Uh, ready? Here we go. First, first resolution. Don't tangle with any wild boars while you're on the injured list this year. <laughs> Uena Cespedes could explain that one in a little more detail for you. Uh, yeah. Two, don't relay any stolen signs by banging on any trash cans. Because apparently these games are televised and they use microphones. Who knew this stuff, Doug? Whoa. And th yeah, and three, do not decide to redecorate your bathroom as you're stepping out of the shower. I, I guarantee this is Blake Snell's number one New Year's resolution for 2020 because he did that last April and he dropped a big granite stand on his foot, and that didn't end well. Uh, that was in my Strange But True Feats of the Year column from last week. Uh, we'll have more of my favorite Strange But True tales later in the podcast, but those are my <laughs> resolutions, and they make no sense at all. So, Doug, let's hear your resolutions. You know, I, I, I wanted to mix it up a little bit because I kind of made resolutions based on passing it on to my previous self back when I was still playing. It's like looking back at my career and saying, you know, what would I have done differently? And there are so quite these a few are retroactive things. resolutions. Yeah, right? so they're, they're retroactive, and uh, you know, I'm going to tweet my own my old self here. So I, the first thing that came to mind is, um, you know, well, certainly from an injury standpoint, I, I look back when I tore my hamstring tendon for the Rangers, that it might have started when I ran into the batter's eye in a spring training game because I was trying to make a heroic catch. I think Michael Tucker had hit the ball. And I look back and I'd say to myself, don't be a hero in spring training with a brick wall that's 25, 30 feet high. Just let it go. It's a triple. It's only spring training. No big deal. <laughs> so I certainly would have thought that one, uh, you know, so so these are that's certainly one aspect of my career. Uh, you know, then I think about, I signed with the Yankees in 2005. People said, well, don't sign the Yankees. They'll trade for you if you're going to be an asset later. And that way you're making sure you're with an organization that you're going to make the team. But when you have Jeter and lineups with Sheffield and Hideki Matsui and Bernie Williams and all these people, it needless to say, I got cut the last week of this, the spring training. 
And then I just went home, which was great because I ended up getting married. So that's that's the that's the silver lining. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I probably wouldn't. That yeah, worked out. Probably would not have signed that. So uh, you know, those are two things to come to mind. And uh, you know, I, I want to I do want to touch on the wild boar, uh, certainly at some point. But uh, we might have to wait. <laughs> I bet you do. But but from my career <laughs> offensive standpoint, I'd say lay off the slider. That's my other resolution. And uh, we, as baseball players, you figure out all kinds of things in the offseason. You realize that you could create the perfect player going into spring training based on all the things you figure out in the offseason. This is that time of year. So I vow to lay off the slider for the rest of my life. Okay. Well, that's going to come in handy. Did, did somebody give you a time machine for Christmas too so you can actually use all these resolutions? Uh, you know, we did go to a place, I don't know, for the audience out there in Massachusetts, <laughs> old Sturbridge Village, really cool, yeah. uh, retro, yeah. kind of Amish country. And uh, yeah, you eat like original candies from the, you know, I don't know what century, 1600s maybe. But very cool, actually. I, I had a blast. They have some fun stuff. So gingerbread houses and uh, reminded me of what I ran into a, a fan who is a trainer, a hunting trainer for the Amish in Virginia. So I'll have to share that another time, but it was very exciting. Okay. So you, you, so you did kind of go back in time, but not to a time when there were sliders that you could lay off. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know how any of that's going to help you, but Doug, if, if it makes you feel better, those are excellent resolutions because that's what resolutions are all about. It's about yeah. good feelings, good vibes. That's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I like uh, it. But it's it's time to get rolling, man, because yeah. there's so much to get to in baseball this time of year. Uh, just let's explain to people who are new to Starkville how this works. Uh, we divide this podcast up into innings. We start every inning with a trivia question, even in the dead of winter. And you can find the first four innings of this podcast pretty much everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, we're Ever podcasts are sold, right? Uh, but we do have bonus innings of the podcast that are available just on the Athletic app and the Athletic website. So if you want to keep listening, you you just need to click on the link where you found us in the first place today. And if you do that, you know what you're going to notice? A link to get a 30% discount on a subscription to The Athletic. So those are things you need to know here in 2020. Everybody got that? Awesome. Now let's play our game. Doug, here is your first inning trivia question. Yeah. The Red Sox, they won 108 games in 2018. They only won 84 last year. That, if I'm doing my math correctly, that comes with a decline of 24 wins and that was the biggest drop in baseball. Uh, Doug, let me turn this around. Can yep. you name the only team that had an increase of at least 20 wins between 2018 and last year? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> well, it must be, I assume, the Minnesota Twins. I mean, breaking 100 wins. <laughs> so that's, uh, yep. yeah, Minnesota Twins. Yeah, very good. Excellent. Yep. Uh, Doug got one right, folks. Got All the right. first trivia question of the year. Start. They were up 23 from 78 to 101 wins. That'll work. Man. But, Doug, uh, let's get back to the 28 Red Sox uh, because 
We need to start this podcast with an incredible new story in The Athletic. Comes from the Woodward and Bernstein of our roster, Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellick, who wrote about those Red Sox, uh, reporting that th- in 2018, they were using their replay room during games to detect sign sequences from the teams they were playing. Uh, then somebody would head into the dugout, explain it. The dugout would relay those sequences to runners on base. Uh, those runners would then relay to relay the signs that they were able to steal to the hitter. And you know, Doug, I I, I would say that's not as egregious as what the 2017 Astros have been accused of, but it's still, it crossed a clear line that was laid out by the commissioner before that season who said clearly, again, going into that season, that teams were not allowed to use the replay room for the purpose of stealing signs. Um, I actually think there's strong reason to believe the Red Sox were not the only team doing this. And the story indicates that Major League Baseball believes that too, but that Red Sox team did win 108 games, did win the World Series. Uh, so tell me, what was your reaction when you read this story? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not shocking, okay? And I, and I don't say that in like a in, a, in a moral turpitude kind of way. I mean, it's just like <laughs> in baseball, you know, these are the elements of the game where like teams, organizations, players are trying to find edges. And, you know, it gets, you know, not only the lines get blurred at a certain point, but you, you can't be surprised that these these uh, turbo athletes, competitors, organizations with so much at stake are not going to try to find some advantages. And they're, and they're going to push the envelope. They're going to, you have a video room right outside and, you know, right in the dugout, it, you know, someone's going to slip up and someone's going to test it. So, you know, there's no, um, <clears throat> and I think to your point that the Red Sox or the Astros, these are not the only teams that have, have tried this. There, there's no question about it. And, you know, you just keep back in mind that as a player, you were always, you know, aware of signs just because, you know, you get on base, your team had a whole set of signs, you understood what your pitcher was trying to do when you're in center field. There's constant communication that flows through the human element, constant. And with the advent and the development of all the technology around, it's no shock that teams are going to start using that technology to exploit, uh, you know, the human frailties of trying to communicate through, you know, eighth-century methodologies, which baseball uses. And I'm all for it because I, you know, I love baseball and its traditions and using your fingers to put signs down. But we recognize that they're just so easy to steal now, and the communication with the advance of all these analytics and statistics, it's natural to see technology being used to gain uh, almost espionage advantages. So mm-hmm. so on that end, yeah, and look, I do think it's, it's cheating. I do think there's, you know, uh, no question that, you know, sort of like PEDs, there's a lot of peer pressure in the game. And it might be better said as corporate pressure or organizational pressure. But if one team is finding an advantage and using it to beat you, you're going to explore that. And your ability to unearth what they're doing may lead you down a road to figure out, okay, wait, I can do this too. And maybe sometimes it's just shifting defenses or something that's acceptable, but other times it's going to be things like this that say, well, look, they're they're using the video to, to, to beat up on my pitcher. Uh, it's going to spread like wildfire. 
and and then the league has to do their job. So uh, it's not shocking. As a, when I was with the Rangers, we talked about how we're going to relay signs. I was not comfortable. A lot of players aren't necessarily comfortable, but it's something that always goes on in Major League Baseball. There's no doubt, and I mean, I think it's still going on in some ways. You know, I, you have to recognize that teams now even travel with this squadron of people in their their data departments, their research and development departments. And some teams travel with eight, ten of these people. And what do you think they're doing, man? They are digging in on the video, trying to discern all kinds of stuff like this, pitch tipping, sign patterns, all of it. What makes this different is while that is legal, what's not legal is doing it in game using your in-game video feed. That is illegal. The problem, and the story makes this clear, is that all right, Rob Manfred going into this season, make sure that teams are aware that he believes that this is crossing a line. And then what did baseball do to enforce this? Nothing. They did nothing until the postseason. It was on the honor system. How yeah. crazy is that? It wasn't until the postseason that m monitors were stationed in the video room to watch whether or not teams were doing this. It's amazing. So, of course, of course they were still doing it. And I think there's, there's no reason to think the Red Sox were the only team. It's just that was the only team that we were able to document for the purposes of this story, but there were obviously many teams. Now, yeah, here's and, the and other problem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jay, I mean, I was just going to say that there are also ways to justify it. I mean, uh, as you said, <clears throat> excuse me, as you said, Manfred laid out these rules, but as a player, you're like, well, if you're not hiding your signs, then you're you're at fault. You know, like that, there's that mentality in that competitive landscape, that you do have a duty. That's why you have signs, right? You have signs to be deceptive. But the technology, like you said, that's where the line was. It's using the technology in real time. And teams knew that they're, that, that was beyond the pale. That was, that was beyond the rules. And that's why it's critical for the game to kind of bring it back together. It, it is. And yet... Um... You know, here's one of the issues. I, you know, I've, I've, I've been talking to people in baseball about this all winter, and I had a, a coach say to me, even if you put somebody in the video room, the replay room, think about all the other places that video is available. He said, you'd have to put somebody in the dugout. You'd have to put somebody in the clubhouse. You'd have to put somebody in the trainer's room. You'd have to put somebody in the executive offices. There's so much video available. Who's to say that a front office guy couldn't, sit in the press box and watch the live video feed in the press box and find some way to signal to the dugout or somewhere electronically. Uh, you've got wearable technology now where, you know, you don't have to bang on a trash can. You can buzz, right? You can buzz right. somebody's electronic Band-Aid. So I, I guess that's my question. How difficult is it to police technology? Is it even possible? Yeah, right. Well, I just think of weighing whether I should give cell phones to my kids. You know, it's like, 
you know yeah. you're in trouble once that you know once that happens. You you can't stop it. And and keep in mind, it's not just about real time, because okay, I'm relaying that a curveball is coming. Okay, I get that, but it's pattern recognition. And that's that baseball is all about pattern recognition that you thrive off of knowing when something's coming. But if you face the same guy three times, four times, or in your division, and you're able to compile the data, right? Whether you're an executive in the front of the booth or wherever you are, and you collaborate to compile data, then you get patterns. And maybe to some degree that that can be fair game, but it's a it's the abuse of the technology that's a concern. And and like let's say you have even if you had a delay, like okay, we're gonna have a five second delay, it doesn't matter because eventually by the third inning, you're gonna go back and look at this stuff, right? So Honor system, I get why they tried that because they probably realized it was like whack-a-mole. <laughs> um, yeah. And but you have to once again, you it, you always say you reward what you value. Tom Murray quoting, and you have to establish a standard that the players and the organizations buy in that the game's integrity is too important uh, to for everybody to go off the rails here. We have to bring it back to certain understanding. Now, look, calling a sign using your fingers between your legs is, is probably ridiculous. It's probably archaic and ancient. And maybe there's <laughs> got to be some other way to upgrade to be more deceptive. That is certainly a way uh, to, to bring technology. Now, someone will probably hack, hack your phone or hack whatever, but at least you're trying to keep up because you, you know, using a bow and arrow Versus a tank, you're, you're, you know, it's not it's not working. And that's kind of what's happening with technology and the way signs are relayed today. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people try to make this point. It, it, you know, it even comes up in Ken and Evan's story is that the only real solution is to basically turn off technology or make, you know, bar everybody from accessing that technology during a game. And you know what? Yeah. That ain't happening. That no cannot chance. happen. Uh, I think the answer is something that you just kind of alluded to. It's more technology. <laughs> right. uh, I'm actually working on a, uh, a piece that hey, might even have been posted by the time some people hear this podcast um, about just some predictions for, for, the, for the future. And one of them is no more giving signs by putting the fingers down. You know, that like yeah. that is so 19th century. The answer is Apple Watch or some wearable technology. The pitcher, the catcher, and somebody in the dugout will have access to it. And that's how signs will be relayed in the future and probably not too far in the future. Uh, I'm sure that <laughs> I'm sure there's a dark side to that too, but that no is doubt. the answer. Not less technology. Let's use actual technology for for the purposes of good and not evil. What do you think? I mean, yeah, I mean, we're you know you you're afraid that this we're going to become a video game, but it's just reality. Like things, the technology is available, and it's it's espionage, but it's also you know it has all these benefits, right? So, uh, but look, the reality, like look, at, I have an Apple Watch, and the reality is, the truth is, I have an Apple Watch to manage my iPhone. Like I have a, I have technology to manage my other technology. Like that's, you know, it, <laughs> so it's like, it, yeah, the answer wasn't put the phone away. It wasn't, it was like, all right, I don't want to have to, every time I look at the time, I'm always like, oh, I got these 10 alerts. Instead, I have a watch to minimize of my ability to look at all these extra alerts. Right. So that's where we're at <laughs> in, 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 yeah, uh, in baseball and baseball just has to keep up with it because, 
it's um it, it's starting to mar the the image and the integrity of the sport, which already is still dealing with PEDs, still dealing with uh, these challenges. And it, it's very similar. So you have to figure out a way to be proactive and then get everybody together to buy in of some universal rules that people will abide by. And there has to be consequences, severe consequences, if uh, people run afray, you know, run afoul of it. Because otherwise, like you said, they'll just, what, are you going to wait till the World Series? I mean, by then, it's like, hey, I already have 108 wins. Good luck. You know, it's just uh, so I hopefully that the game will will right that ship. Yeah, exactly right. And, uh, you know, everybody in baseball is awaiting the penalties for the Astros treating Astros cheating scandal. And now we got a whole new scandal to deal with. So good times, Doug. Let's move along to the second inning. Francisco Lindor is the only shortstop in baseball who's hit 30 homers or more in every one of the last three seasons. So, Doug, can you name the only other shortstop who's even had two 30 homer seasons in the last three years? Hmm. Okay. And now, hmm, is this so? Are you like a full time shortstop? Because it's like, I'd say like That's a Manny Machado. The Manny Machado would. What does he count as? Uh, he wasn't a third. He wasn't a, a, a certainly a, a full time shortstop in 2019. Um, yeah, but right. he was. Uh, I really only had one of those three years where I would say he was even a majority of the time a shortstop. So okay. you can answer this however you want, but yeah, I'm going to rule he was not a full time shortstop for the last three years. Or like a well, then there's Correa who got hurt. So is there? Bregman. So, um, all right, I'll just say, I'll say Carlos Correa. That's a fine guess, but it's not right. The answer <laughs> is Trevor's story of those Colorado oh, yeah. Rockies. Right. So, uh, stumped you on this one. Uh, you know, Doug, uh, bring up Francisco Lindor because a few weeks ago, uh, Ken Rosenthal and I co-wrote a story after all the free agent signings at the winter meetings. And what we said in that story is, it's now trading season, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, of all the players that we wrote about getting traded, the only one who has gotten traded since then is Corey Kluber. So I, I, I'm going to conclude that it's still trading season. <laughs> and in the next few weeks, uh, I, I expect somebody from this group of stars is going to get traded. Uh, Mention Francisco Lindor, Chris Bryant, Mookie Betts, Nolan Arenado. Now, of that group, I Man. think Arenado's probably the least likely. It's going to require just a big package. Plus, you're going to owe him $35 million a year for the next seven years. Or you have to have to worry about whether he could opt out in, after two years. Very complicated to make a trade in that kind of situation. So let's talk about the other three guys. Uh, Lindor and Mookie are Definitely on the Dodgers' radar. Definitely. Um, of course, the Dodgers have a lot of people on their radar. And the, the one thing that I'm convinced of is the Cubs are going to trade somebody from this core group. Uh, it could be Chris Bryant once his service time grievance gets resolved. It could be Wilson Contreras. Um, but, you know, you've been doing Cubs games for the last couple of years. What's your read on the Cubs and who you think gets traded there? Whew, wow. It well, 
There's no way you trade Javi Baez, so I'm just going to throw that out there. I just I can't even I fathom. I mean, and, but then you know, how do you trade Francisco Lindor? I mean, that's that just is stunning to me because he is so iconic and and so positive and so talented. And there's I I just so that's it's head scratching, but I'll pass on that for a second. Chris Bryant is the one that continues to come up with all this doubt around him, and whether it's the you know. The Scott Boris, you know, you know, which is true for a lot of people, obviously, uh, potential cost. Whether it's just the fact that he's, you know, he's he's not been he's the guy that basically promises ten things and delivers nine, versus the guy that promises eight <laughs> things and delivers nine. Right? I mean, he he's so good. He really is an incredible player. He, he and he does the little things. Plays different positions, and he, he's not like a gold glover, but he just does a lot of the little things and. I think it makes him sometimes seem like he's not doing things. You know, they, they, he's always had that you could do more thing because he's low key, kind of a quiet leader, and uh, they question his impact if he's not constantly hitting. He's not rah rah and all that. So, um, so I, I think that is his challenge, and maybe the reason that could put him in that bucket. Contreras to me is also another guy, huge upside. You know, he's kind of a volatile personality. So there's there's that element. Some of that works out really well. Sometimes it implodes. But um, but he's not like Carlos Zambrano or something, you know, to that extreme. So I you know, Bryant just seems to be the the guy that could just be the odd man out. And they could get a lot for him. He's I think he'd be an asset to any team he'd go to. A lot of teams would definitely, you know, want to to have him as part of their organization. So uh, so that you know, and, and look, he's the grievance is something. It, it's like there's a little tension there, and you know, he got sent down, and it was kind of somewhat admitted the whole game playing about like service time, and you know that doesn't doesn't sit well, especially when teams like the White Sox are signing guys like Jimenez like to long term deals right out of the gate or whatever. Uh, it, it was definitely an option. They just elected to go down this road, and I, I'm sure that creates a lot of tension with his representation too. Well, they, I mean, they've got to resolve that grievance, but he, he's not going to win that grievance. I don't know anybody in baseball who thinks he's going to win that grievance, who thinks his situation is any different than 8, 10, 12, 20, 50 players that have come along since we've had these rules. They get sent to the minors so the clock doesn't start on opening day. Uh, right, but it was, I, I it was, the, but it was like the admission, though. That was a, I mean, I think. Theo Epstein was trying to be somewhat forthright about it. And I, I think they're trying to use that as like, I'm not saying he flat out said, but he kind of framed, he framed the economics of it. And I, you know, I don't know. I think that's the difference between all these other cases of people like, oh yeah, of course, we're sending him down to work on his backhand uh, on a snow day on high grass during, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, sure. But uh, Bryant, they're a little more forthright. (laughs) Yeah, look, everybody gets it. We all know what's going on when these guys don't make the team. It's all business. It's all service time. We know that. Everybody knows it. Only Scott Boris grieves it. But let's assume he doesn't win the grievance. Then he's in really exactly the situation that Garrett Cole was in when the Pirates traded him. Two years away from free agency, Scott Boris as his agent, you know he's going to go out there and test the market. So you better trade him now if you're going to trade him at all. And, you know, I, I just get this sense that 
The Cubs feel a need to shake up their core group, uh, change the mix. It just makes too much sense for Chris Bryant to be that guy. Uh, trade him someplace uh, to a team that didn't wind up getting Rendon or Josh Donaldson. There's just a natural market there, a natural fit. But let me ask you about something that you touched on uh, with the Indians and Francisco Lindor. Um, does any of this worry you in the big picture? When a huge, when huge stars like this are floating around the rumor mill, uh, is that good for the sport or bad for the sport? And particularly Lindor, um, is it say something ominous about baseball that you have this magnetic a player arrive in Cleveland and everybody knows he can't possibly finish his career there? Yeah, I, I think it's a problem. It's uh, it's the expendability. And although I recognize, you know, understanding the power and the right of free agency and the importance of that, it's, um, you know, and the stakes are so high. And people are, you know, costing $30 million a year, whatever it may be. People, the teams will make economic decisions. And, and that, to me, dovetails very much into the analytics where you're kind of finding value and you're finding team structures or constructs that allow you to build teams that don't necessarily rely on, aka the Rays, uh, superstar status. And, and if you're not, if your marketability side is not a concern, you know, and uh, then you don't worry about losing certain iconic players. I mean, baseball, you know, we used to tell you, don't play for the name on the front, not the name on the back, right? There's a nobility in that. But baseball, historically, in labor, has always tried to make sure that the player is sort of less than the organization in a strategic way, right? You didn't, you know, you don't see like these Mike Trout get these commercials compared to, say, you know, somebody in the NBA. You know, it's a different world if you're Steph Curry versus the top MLB player. They're not as recognizable. And that, to some degree, is by design because the more recognizable these players are, the more leverage and power they have when you're sitting in the collective bargaining room, the negotiating room. So there, there's always been that all for one, one for all, which is good, but it's also been turned against the ability to have these icons stay put. It, it's become more and more difficult. Why why you'd even talk about Chris Bryant is is just tells me the story. Someone, you're okay, you're rookie of the year, you you win the World Series, you know, MVP, you do where where do you send why do you send a guy out like that? Why why would you even, you know, he's popular in Chicago, all these things. So that's where we are. And I, I think it's there's an aspect that doesn't allow you to lodge on to, oh, this is my guy as a fan growing up as a Cleveland Indians fan. You know, you, you don't trust it. And when you have a team, an, a, a sport that's based on local and based on those community relations, it, it's, it's even more strident when you lose these people that you can depend on. Because you, you, you are also, you know, you want to connect with some players. And when you don't have that, there's only so much the you know the name on the front is uh, is going to do to replace that individual touch. Even though yes, you're going to be a lifetime fan of whatever team. So I, I I we'll see. But the more guys are moving around, Lindor Arenado, it's exciting on one level. It's a lot to talk about, but it's it, I, it's destabilizing in some way. Yeah, well, I, I got news for you. This is a product of this economic system, and as long as we have this system. This is not changing. 
Yeah, um, I agree with it, that. You know, and, and until you get to an, a hard NFL-type salary cap, um, you can't change this. You can't it, – it, it, teams like Cleveland and Tampa Bay aren't, and Oakland are never going to keep their stars. It's built into the system. I mean, the NBA has got a cap and a tax, and yet the, the, their stars manipulate that system and go wherever they want to go. Yeah. Uh, so they have incredible star movement, too, for different reasons. But yeah. I, I think this is a big potential issue when we get to the labor talks in two years, Doug. Um, I, I mean, I don't think we're ever going to get to a salary cap in baseball, but finding a different system on many levels is a huge topic for down the road. But not today, Doug, because today we got to move along to the third inning. The White Sox just signed a guy named Edwin Encarnacion. And here's his claim to fame, man. He's one of two players who have hit more home runs since 2012 than that Mike Trout guy. So here's your question. Who's the other? Who's the other guy who's hit more homers since 2012 than Mike Trout? All right. So I'm going to go with Nelson Cruz. That's excellent and correct. Right. Uh, he's Nelson Cruz is the new Todd Helton. He's the human trivia answer. So <laughs> yes, good, good work by you. Uh, and, and Doug, that, that was known in the podcast business as a segue, pal, uh, because the White Sox, they've been busy. They've yes. been filling up that transactions column. We're happy about that. Gives us something to do, something to talk about, something to write about. But here's the big question. Uh, they weren't the only team that's been busy. So we're going to pick the team that has, quote unquote, won the winner. Uh, not to be confused with winning the World Series now. <laughs> they have won the winner. So we have lots of candidates. I, I, I tell you what, I'm going to let you go first on this one. What team, Doug, has won this winner? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with the Chicago White Sox. As you, with Edwin Encarnacion, I mean, I know he's older and all that, but you know, if he has a, a shell of himself, it, it creates so much depth for this organization. Excuse me. So, um, but it's also Dallas Keuchel, Grandal. You know, they, they, they picked up what I would consider. They just signed Steve Cishak, by the way. Breaking news. Um, I, I think right. they've made the moves that fit the right pieces, that are the right pieces for what they need. And keep in mind, you know, Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, uh, you know, Jimenez. They, these guys had some big seasons. Um, you know, I, I know I'm missing some people here. Moncada, oh my goodness. My, I mean, wow. Yeah, big, this is a team breath. to watch. And you sign Robert, uh, you know, young guys coming up and lock him in. I'm I'm excited to see what this team could do, and Keiko to me is the anchor to what could you know, mature a pitching staff with Giolito and so on. So I'm going to say the White Sox. I, I I just think they're they're really become a formidable opponent, and they're clearly going for it. But they're doing it with targeted signings, not just sort of like let's set the big splash. So that's my team. Yeah, yeah. They're I mean they're a really interesting team now, and that's a good thing for the sport. Now I've got some reservations. Um, look, we're talking about a lot of guys they've added who are on the wrong side of 30. Uh, Dallas Keuchel's 32, Encarnacion's 37, 
Gio Gonzalez is 34. Randall, 31. Uh, Abreu turns 33 this month. But look, they also have a dynamic young nucleus. And uh, I, I just like the idea of surrounding the young nucleus with a bunch of professional players who have been there and done this. Again, that it's the right division to make a move in. Really a team to watch. Um, okay, so now, since you took them, I really wrestled with who to pick. I, I like what Texas has done. I think Arizona has been very strategic about what they, they've done. The Nationals, I think, have positioned themselves to win again, even without Anthony Rendon. But you know what? I'm going to take the Braves. Uh, I really like the Will Smith and Cole Hamels deals. Uh, I'm not 100% convinced Travis Darnot was going to repeat what he did in Tampa Bay, but they're not asking him to catch 130 games because they also brought back Tyler Flowers and they brought back Chris Martin and Darren O'Day in their bullpen. Nick Markakis, who just fits that team. Charlie Culberson as a utility guy. If they get Josh Donaldson done, that might be the best team in the National League. What do you think? Yeah, they're, they're going to make a lot of noise. Donaldson is big. He has that, um, you know, he's the sort of, you know, talent obviously through the roof, but he's he's got the swagger, you know, the attitude, and you know it was good for the Braves. It it, it sort of let them, uh, you know, get out there and and show what they can do. Donaldson, I thought was a big intangible for the Braves. <clears throat> so yeah, so I I think Donaldson is a, a key piece, and and once again we talked about Chris Bryant. You know, maybe something happens there. You know, they make a move, and the you know, Braves get into the Chris Bryant sweepstakes. And who knows? So, but they can anchor that down, man, with Acuna Jr. And I mean, there's a lot of talent, a lot of good arms. So they're they're going to be one of the top teams in the NL. Yeah, that team is that team is loaded and young. Um, very exciting. All right, time for the fourth inning, and you know what that means? That yeah. means we're going to roll around to this week's listener question. We love our listener questions because it allows you our favorite listeners to be a part of this podcast and achieve your 15 seconds or so of fame. And I'll tell you how you can do that in a minute, but here's how this question works. Uh, you submit a question, then Cam, the newly elected evil mayor of Starkville, yes. uh, he decides, all right, there's a question that'll definitely stump me and Doug. Uh, mm -hmm. And then we also use it to provide a fun topic of conversation so now here, Doug, is this week's question. It comes from our friend and loyal listener, Chris Isidore. Uh, you mm -hmm. can find him on Twitter at Yankees Nerd. How about that tag, huh? Uh, Chris is a great follow, by the way. Lots of fun trivia and uh, tidbits about the business of sports. And here's the question that he asks us this week. Uh, mm -hmm. The top four outfielders of the last decade, according to Baseball Reference, had six MVP trophies between them, six seconds, two-thirds, and four more top ten finishes. But the fifth-best outfielder by wins by replacement, you know how many MVP votes he got, Doug? He got none, not even for tenth place. And wow. so he asks, who is that guy? Now, oh. guess what? Chris thinks this question is pretty much impossible. He sent me a message to tell me that. But guess what, Doug? He must have forgotten uh -oh. who he's dealing with here. 
because I yeah. think I know this. Uh, uh, now, I only know it because I had to write a column on the best and worst players of the decade. So, so I did a ton of research on stuff like this. And I'm going to admit that I did not look this up since he asked this question because I'm an honorable trivia answer kind of guy. But uh, I did remember a name that a guy with a Twitter handle, Yankees Nerd, would have noticed. And that Ooh. name is Brett Gardner. I think Brett Gardner is the answer to this question. And so, Ooh. Doug, unless you have a better guess, I think we should check with our evil mayor to see if I'm right. Well, you I have a, better, a guess. You a better guess? Just, well, just to give us two options here. Uh, well, first I thought Nelson Cruz, <laughs> right. is he a DH? Right. You know, I figured Nelson Cruz, you always have to throw him out there. Uh, but I won't say Nelson Cruz. <laughs> I will say, I'll say Ben Zobrist. I'm going to throw that okay, out there. Okay, Ben Zobrist and, and Brett Gardner. outfielder, but that, that, that we're going to go with Brett Gardner, Ben Zobrist. What do we got, Cam? Okay. Jason, are you sure you don't want to try to guess one more time? I mean, is there, are you sure you want to lock it in? I, do, Ooh, I am that's, sure. That's you ominous. are sure? All right. I am. You're right. It's Brett Gardner. You're correct. I just wanted oh, to see if I could, I could dissuade you somehow. <laughs> that, that was a that great was, guess. Say this is... This, this is <laughs> why mayor. we call him the evil mayor. <laughs> he, I had the right answer. He tried to talk me into the wrong answer. Can we impeach this mayor? Uh, what do we have to do to impeach hey, him? Hey, you know, the silver tongue didn't work that time. You still stuck true. You are a Boy Scout, though, for not looking after the question was relayed to us. You and I discussed right. that over the email that we had a couple days ago. But great job. That's awesome work. <laughs> Yeah, we don't we don't get these right very often, but that one popped into my head. And yeah, boy, is nice that Chris Isidore going to be irritated? Yeah, right? we got He's you, Chris. We got you. I had nothing to do with right. it. Great I, job. <laughs> and, and and I'm irritated by our fast talking evil mayor. I don't know what we're going to do about this, Doug. But he's got to live up to, to the reputation. In. He's got to live up to the reputation. It's all it's all good. He's, he's does gotta, he though? Yeah, evil mayor. If he's called evil, <laughs> that's, I like it. Uh, okay, well. He, he really doesn't want us to get these questions right. And I just know I am never going to forget that. But um, well, once again, well, a reminder, we don't just ask these questions on Starkville and then move on. We use them as a launching pad to talk about some fun topic that the questions inspire. So, yep. Doug, I've got a question for you. Uh, um, we're talking about the best outfielders of the last decade. Who is going to be the best outfielder of the next decade, the 20s? Now, I have one. You want me to go first or you can start? Yeah, you can start us off. All right. Uh, I've got Ronald Acuna Jr., pal. I just turned 22 three weeks ago. And I believe we've asked this question about him before. But what can't he do? Uh, I, I mentioned earlier, I'm working on a piece that offers a bunch of predictions for the uh, the next decade. Here's one of them. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to be baseball's first 50-50 guy. 50 homers, 50 Whoa. steals. He went 41-37 last year, and uh, he's still got room to pad those numbers. So I'm going to take him. Uh, there's lots of good choices, though, so how about you? Oh, yeah, that's a good one, no doubt. I, I'm going to go with Juan Soto. Uh, I just, wow. you know, the breakthrough of bringing home a champion, 
championship. Uh, and, and just the combination of power, plate discipline, swagger, primetime clutch performing, all these things that he kind of put all together in a really short period of time. Is he 21 yet? I mean, my goodness, it's really remarkable. I know Acuna yeah. Jr. obviously is also very young. So, but this, this, you know, I just, I think the fact that he can work the count and be so selective, hits for power, drives and runs, and, you know, yes, he has to work on his defense. He's got, you know, an upside, but man, this guy's hitting is special. His approach is special. And he has, you know, he's, he's going to barely be 30 by the end of this decade, which is scary in its own right. right. Yeah, it, 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 it was, it was so impressive to watch him every day in October just to watch the the quality of the bats that that guy had at 20 years old that was crazy uh really good pick I like my pick too uh and Chris we like your question man because we got it right uh-huh. <laughs> and next you know next time you could be part of this podcast all you got to do is submit a trivia question either via Twitter or email then uh, evil mayor cam will pick one um we'll probably get it wrong then we'll do that again but if you want to email us a question you can email it to starkville with an e at theathletic.com or you can tweet those questions at us via twitter you can find me at jason st that's jason with a y s t Doug, what's your Twitter handle? Oh, pizza cake. Just my name at Doug Glanville, D-O-U-G-G-L-A-N-V-I-L-L-E. And send me those questions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just if you do, just hashtag those questions. Hashtag Starkville with an E-Q-S. Starkville Q-S. Alrighty. That's it for Starkville for some of you. But mm-hmm. if you're an athletic subscriber you get to keep listening over at the Athletic app or the Athletic website. And if you'd like to be an Athletic subscriber, go find the link you first clicked on to find us here, and it'll get you 30% off a one-year subscription to the Athletic. Uh, So for those of you who are leaving us, thanks for listening. We'll see you soon on Starkville. Starkville.